On this week's episode, who got the upper hand with the Rings of Power? Was EA's final FIFA game a good one? And is Peacock wanting its community one more time? All this and more as we once again delve into the pop culture cosmos. Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five star review wherever you get your podcast plus if you can like share subscribe follow or do anything that you can to support us right here at the pop culture cosmos game source inside sports fantasy football the lakers fast break the happy hoarder and everything that we do including all the great stuff for our own popculturecosmos.com the fact that we are the number one tabletop rpg streamer out there on facebook Catch all the great games every weekend with DM Mitch, also as well on Monday with the Demolition Force, and of course, the great games run by Melinda, as far as Wild Beyond the Witchlight with Wizards and Wine, and of course, Vampires and Vitae, which you can also catch on the weekends as well. And of course, everything that we do here at Pop Culture Cosmos, including the fact that we cover the latest news and trends better than anyone else on pop culture. Right there for you at Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. And if you can go ahead and catch all that, it is sincerely appreciated. But it wouldn't be a Pop Culture Cosmos without my good friend. He is the man behind Hope's Fall. For us, anyways. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today at PopCultureCosmos.com. You got to go ahead and check out what he's doing today with the Happy Hoarder and all the great things that he's doing, including the Super BS Gamescast and, of course, his amazing book, Congratulations, You Suck. It is my good friend. It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? What's up, man? How you doing? Had a big week of pop culture stuff. Oh, my gosh. A ton of news, man. I, I told our listeners on Friday, so much news we had to break it up into two shows with all the ton of news that was came from last week and what's coming up this week my gosh man just so great to go ahead and report on it big shout out to good friend kel at kbog thanks so much for all the support that you and all the listeners of your great station have given us over the many years you sent some kind words last week and i made sure that everybody on the staff got a chance to check it out and we just truly appreciate everything that you do for us right here at the pop culture cosmos agree sir agreed absolutely indeed but everything okay for you my friend heading into a great october gonna be a very busy month for us yeah yeah i mean as we're hitting the uh, holiday season here we're gonna have more and more things coming out more and more surprises and big one i'm sure you've already talked about is hugh jackman and the wolverine Coming back with Deadpool 3, yeah, man. I mean, that came out of left field, but that made my year. I imagine it did, my friend. That was some great news, We and we talked about it in detail last week. We can always talk about it anytime you want right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos as well. But, man, I'll tell you what, major announcement for Deadpool 3. But there's more Marvel news we need to cover. We'll talk about more Marvel news, including Blade and Armored Wars. That's coming up on the show. Plus also as well... A reunion is Peacock is making possible for Community. The great show that was on for several years may be returning. We'll talk about that coming up. But who is not involved and who is not committed as of yet? We'll talk about that coming up on the show. Plus also as well, E3 is returning officially coming up next year. We'll talk about that. Plus also as well, all the video game news, including Skull and Bones being delayed one more time. Overwatch 2 not being delayed and coming out this week. FIFA 23 coming out last week and the final time for EA and FIFA. Also as well, the death of a major gaming platform, which unfortunately didn't become a major gaming platform. Was also as well, The Last of Us debuted its first trailer. 
coming up for HBO Max next year. Jeffrey Dahmer on Netflix and smile, Josh, smile on the box office this weekend. That's what we're going to be talking about on this show as well. But first, my friend, Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, Episode 6. And it's it's still going strong. And it had a major battle with a great episode this past week, Episode 6. The Battle for the Southlands, my friend, we thought concluded with a major battle with the villagers and the Numenorians bonding together, almost like a two-tower-esque type battle, which turned out to be in the favor of the good guys. But, oh wait, one last twist came about, and Mount Doom and the beginnings of Mordor was created right there at the Rings of Power. Yeah, they weren't going to let us have a heartfelt ending to that episode, were they? That was no, uh, no. completely unexpected. And, you know, the people involved were unexpected, too. They keep doing this thing, right? This thing where they keep, like, hinting, you know, spoilers. They keep hinting that Halbrand is Sauron. You know, they keep oh. doing that. They keep making you think, you have no idea what I've done. And then he holds the spear over uh, Adar. Yeah. They hold the spear. He's Adar, holding the spear yes. over his his throat, and he goes, "Do you remember me?" And like yes. it almost makes you think, like, "Oh, there could be weight behind that theory." But then he doesn't remember him, so he doesn't. But Sauron's also a shapeshifter. But anyways, they like they, and then all of a sudden in the episode, they crown, they make him seem like this shows Aragorn, though. So yeah. it's just, I don't know. It's just such a weird thing. Like, is he Sauron? Is he not? I don't know. And then the individual that actually set off all the chain of events for the creation of Mordor and Mount Doom. Well, okay, so that that came out of left field. I thought that that was Halbrand. Like I thought he took when the kid had the thing and he t- opened it up and it ended up just being an axe. I thought that Halbrand had somehow gone off because all you see is the long hair from the back, and then the yeah. camera flips around and it's the old the old man. And like yeah. I was not expecting that at, to happen at all. Yeah, actually a very good episode. I think the best of all the episodes of The Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. I like the fact that there's still more to go and more to come with The Rings of Power for this season. But the fact is that the creation of Mount Doom and Mordor and all the dark stuff that we eventually see later on in the films has already started that chain of events. So Mm -hmm. I'm really happy with what I saw from this week's episode. Yeah, no, absolutely. It was great. I'm I'm now committed to the last two episodes. Like I really need to know what happens and where this is going because it has totally taken my expectations and turned it on its head. You know, my only disappointment in this episode, I know there's a lot going on. Like this episode actually felt longer than the rest of them. It was because it was about 70 minutes long. Okay, that's what I thought. I was wondering, you know, why it felt that that way. But I'm just it bums me out that we didn't get to see anything from the hobbits or the uh the dwarves story. I was hoping to see that that talk between the prince dwarf and his father. Yeah, I think you'll get that next week. The thing is though, you know, I, I first of all, I like the fact that when they need to, they take one of the stories that they're trying to tell that are taking place at different points in mm-hmm. in the area of Middle-earth that they take the time to tell one part of the story, or at least how two stories come together into one. And that they also, the great thing about streaming is when they do these series, they're not limited by the number of minutes that they have to constrain themselves. They're not limited Mm -hmm. to go ahead and be on 22 minutes or 44 minutes as far as with commercials and all that. I'm glad the fact that they were able to go ahead and, actually make this the longest episode of the series to date and that's at 70 minutes they were able to flesh out that entire story without having to be constrained by any time issues or anything of that nature i really actually enjoyed that part of it yeah i know for some people may oh it was a little longer but hey you know what it actually worked for that episode no, it absolutely did. And that was something that, like, everyone kept saying, like, hey, the show is dragging a little bit. This, like, totally shifted that for me. Absolutely. I still think right now it's head and shoulders above the Game of Thrones House of the Dragon, mm-hmm. which is okay. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's great. I'm just saying it's there. It's okay. It's doing what it's doing. And of course, it's bringing in all the viewers. But looks like Lord of the Rings is as well. So, 
What are your thoughts up there on Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power, Episode 6? A major battle took place, and once we thought the good guys had won, things changed quite dramatically indeed. So now I'm curious what's going on for the future of the series. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Before we hit the break, my friend, I wanted to go ahead and touch on one more thing, and that is... Dahmer on Netflix. The series that's out has been a major winner for Netflix. I'm not sure I'm exactly comfortable with that, but you know our fascination with morbidity and all that type of stuff. Your thoughts on this, my friend, because Blonde has come out to less than happy reviews. I checked it out. It's doing well as well, but unfortunately, it's a very ugly movie. It's a very aggressively mean movie at times to the legend of Marilyn Monroe. I know she had a very sad life, a very tough life, but I know that that movie's, you know, like I said, for it is, it is what it is, but it seems to be getting a lot of people in for an NC-17 movie. Dahmer is another one. Just seems like the fascination with our morbidity and, and all that dark stuff, the telling of Dahmer on the series for Netflix has really gone over well. Your thoughts on this dark turn for viewers as we get into October for Netflix? You know, it's funny because you look at that, we're getting more, like Netflix has more and more of that content popping up. You know, it's like the... And people seem to be clamoring for it. Yeah, like the true crime stuff. And like, I, I'm not really into that kind of stuff, you know, like it, it's cool i know there's an audience for true crime shows true crime podcasts like we're we do have this weird fascination with our own mortality and like yeah. just how far into the darkness a human being can slip but i don't know on it just it that kind of stuff doesn't do anything for me blonde is just a mean movie it's just a mean movie so yeah it's, that's it's, it, it's, that it's, one's interesting to me because i have not watched it yet but from what i'm reading everyone's saying yeah like, yeah, it's a, such a mean movie, yet I could not stop watching it. You know, it's like it's one of those things where, like, you know that it's not accurate or I don't even know. It, it, no, actually, there is it is not a wholly accurate because they actually go ahead and change the narrative. Uh, there's a major plot point in there that wasn't accurate based off mm -hmm. of individuals that she barely dated or spent time with that were brought together to go ahead and piece a part of the narrative as far as the fictional part of the narrative and they change it to this which made it even meaner and uglier and i don't know if i can't stop watching it because i actually did stop watching it i actually walked away from it as far as due to time constraints and i came back to finish it off and it just i understand tragic movies i've enjoyed tragic movies before in a weird way but this movie was just unrelenting from the get-go the first 15 minutes are disturbing and there are people that are turning it off within the first 15 minutes because there's something in there in the first 15 minutes that's very disturbing it's getting skating reviews on metacritic and i can see why because it's just a very ugly movie but here's the thing like it got i think it was the fact that it was an nc-17 movie that made people want to watch it in the first place like yeah, all these I, people I that are complaining about like you know, not to say you're complaining, but like all these people that are like wa wanting to give it scathing reviews, like they, I don't know what they were expecting. You know, like there's not really ever has anything good come out of an NC-17 movie. So it's just, it's, I don't know. I don't know, man. Like I, I've heard people say like, yeah, it's, it's really bad, but it's like well put together. I, so I don't. I don't know. I don't know if it's. It's very stylistic. Film. It tries to treat itself as an indie film, so because it tries to yeah. show you and go down these different images and and experiment with all these different things as far as showcasing parts of her life in a negative fashion and mm -hmm. all the negative things that happened to her, and really just beats you over the head. But it shows yeah. like again experiments with a lot of different things. It seems like also at times like a a high school film experiment because oh I get to play with this while I'm showcasing the scene. Oh, I get to play with mm -hmm. that while I'm showcasing yeah. the scene. And that doesn't work for me as well. It just seems like it was like a whole bunch of things thrown together and it just consistently beats you overhead with the negative. And I get it. Her life was tragic. Her life was tragic. I understand that. I don't expect a fairy tale when I watch a Marilyn Monroe biopic, but I at least expect something that hopefully comes closer to the actual truth both good and bad but unfortunately again there were some changes in the narrative that made it even worse 
rather than better. Yeah, no, and I I get that. But yeah, I I mean, I was surprised when I heard that this movie was coming out on Netflix at an NC-17 rating because it's, you know, it seems like kind of a risky move. But yeah, I don't know. Like, it's it's not something I'm going to be watching myself probably, but I was definitely curious to hear what people were saying about it. And from what you're saying, it doesn't really sound like something that's worth spending time with. Well, it's also a long movie as well. It's three hours, so it is not exactly a quick watch either, which is, again, beating you over the head, time in, time out, time in, time out. So, I, you know, it is a struggle to get through, mm-hmm. but, you know, if you can get through it, you're going to understand that there are parts that are true to her story, but once you look deeper into the story of Marilyn Monroe, you know it's tragic, but to the point and as far as just beating you over the head with all the negative stuff that you're seeing for three hours, it's not exactly something that you really want to go ahead and put yourself through unless you really want to find out more. But again, you got to go ahead and check out as far as after the movie, you have to go ahead and investigate exactly what was true and not so true about her life. And that to me is I have an issue with because there's substantial changes that made it much worse. I imagine that they were going to go to every extreme that they could with a, a, a show like that. And I know the actors are defending it. So I don't, I mean, and the estate of Marilyn Monroe's defending it. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ana de Armas, actually the trailer showcased her accent a little bit more than the movie. The movie actually, she kept, she held her voice and didn't have her accent as much in the movie from what I was listening to her accent. Didn't, just pop out as much portraying the voice of Marilyn Monroe as much as I I sensed in the trailer. So that was a good thing. She portrayed Marilyn Monroe on a day armist pretty good. I, I I thought that part of it was good, but again, so many negatives in a movie that needs more positives one way or the other, as far as storytelling is concerned, would have been a little bit better, but yeah, just to me, it was just not a great experience. Let me ask you a question. All right. Say we have someone like Marilyn Monroe, right? Regardless of what she's done or what experiences people had with her or who she was in her life, like people, she's an American icon, right? Would you disagree with that statement? Oh, no, no, absolutely. She's a pop culture icon. She's a pop culture icon. What is it about, you know, like TV? Do you think that we need, as people, like, I am under, I personally feel like we need to look at our heroes as heroes, right? Like our icons as icons. I think, I don't think that we need to find out about their darker side. You well, know, that's like, the thing, it, though. But again, look at the icons that we have, like, for instance, Prince, Michael Jackson, Marilyn Monroe, Elvis Presley. They all had these dark sides. I mean, look at them as, you know, as far as even Tupac Shakur. All these individuals had either dark sides or tragic things happen to them, which has given them that second life as a pop culture icon beyond their deaths, too. But why do we need to know about that, though, I guess? Because is what, that's like, our why morbidity. Why is Jeffrey Dahmer on Netflix doing so well? Because we love our morbidity. We love yeah, watching the, the bad side of just, humanity. It's just so funny how we're so fascinated with that. Like, we... We want to see people fall that we love. You know, it's such a weird, it's a weird thing for me to think about. Why is true crime so popular? Why is Serial the most famous podcast of all time? People love experiencing others' pain and misfortune and the dark side fascinates us as a society. And that's why we right. keep coming back. It's just, it, yeah, I don't know. It's just humans are funny, man. We are funny people. That we are indeed, my friend. And sometimes it's not just about laughing, ha, ha, ha. It's about trying to understand us as a species and what we like and not like. And right now we're liking a lot on Netflix when it concerns Blonde and Dahmer, no matter how negative they can be. What are your thoughts out there on Monster, a Jeffrey Dahmer story, and Blonde on Netflix? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts.
Well, my friend, before we hit the half hour break, I wanted to go ahead and let you know that Smile has won the box office. But your thoughts on this, I thought it was a great trailer, which I think propelled it to a win at this box office. It shows me that for a smaller budget horror flick, which you and I talked about all these years, about how these are big winners for studios, it looks like a trailer for this has gone a long way. I remember back in the day we had like the ring come out, we had signs, mm-hmm. and these were all like iconic pop culture, not pop culture, but iconic horror movies for the time. Like it feel this is what that feels like. This feels like the days back when like the ring and the grudge came out. Like this, it's cool to see that like where you have these small budget horror films coming out and people are wanting to go see them again. Like it feels like it's just one step towards the way things used to be. You see that, man? It's smiling. It's smiling. You know, evil yeah. things are happening when it's smiling. I'm smiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wanted to say that it is October. You know, all the horror movies are starting to come out, my friends. So with yeah. the Halloween rush coming, they got the jump on everyone, and Smile did win the box office. But as I stated to you before, my friend, the trailer that you checked out, that has been showcased a whole bunch on commercial mm-hmm. television here in the United States and broadcast television. I think that that was the reason why it garnered a lot of people is that A, it's the first horror movie to come out for the Halloween movie season, and B, it came out with a good trailer. So I think that that's the key. Whether or not it will do anything long-term, we'll wait and see, but the $19 million up front justifies, I think, the small cost it makes to make Smile. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, people are obviously excited about it, so... More you like the evil smile, man? You like evil smile? Evil yeah. smile? Yeah, yeah, you're doomed, man. You're doomed. <laughs> yeah, it's all over for you because I'm smiling. You know what happens? You know, again, our fascination with such dark things, but these are original concepts, you know, like, whoa, never even thought about that before. Well, smile, my friend, because smile has won the U.S. box office. So let me hear your thoughts out there. Have you checked out smile? And are you smiling after watching smile? Please let us know your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Before we hit the break, my friend, Community on Peacock, that has gotten a green light for a movie, that long-running, much-beloved, cult-favorite hit series, which showcased a crazy cast of students and teachers in a community college. That hit series for several seasons has now turned into a movie with a lot of the cast returning what are your thoughts on this my friend did you enjoy it i mean it helped get the start of the russo brothers behind the scenes for one of the most famous episodes on the show and regarding paintball there's still not a commitment from donald glover one of the best entertainers on the planet and also yvette nicole brown who is doing a lot of work herself at the moment they have not committed to the project but everyone else well excuse me i'm sorry Outside of Chevy Chase, who has a bad, bad conflict that happened and arised during the years between him and community creator Dan Harmon. So they, they can't actually get along. So I don't think he'll come back. But I, I hear the, that Chevy Chase is actually really hard to work with in general. I mean, that's why that's, Chris Columbus yeah. backed out of Christmas Vacation. And mm-hmm. he was like, I can't work with Chevy Chase. The guy's just kind of a jerk. John, he's like, all right, well, I got something else in mind for you. And that's how he ended up directing Home Alone. But yeah, I just hear not a lot of great things about Chevy Chase when it comes to working with him behind the scenes. Absolutely. And I'm sure that's led to part of the reason why he's had such an up and down film career from the greatness of the original Fletch to so many other films he's made that have worked like Caddyshack and more. And then yet there's others that have really, if you watch them, wonder why you watch them. So I will... Go ahead and just leave it at that. But again, he had a revival with Community, and you would think he'd want to go ahead and stick with that, but he didn't even make the final two seasons of Community simply because of the fact that he and Dan Harmon could not work together. But it's not a Community movie for me unless Donald Glover returns in a good capacity because he was such a great part of that show. And Yvette Nicole Brown as well, a brilliant actress. And I think that both of those talented comedians need to be a part of this movie in order to make a click otherwise to me it's not a true community yeah yeah i mean that's what people love about the show originally was that they all get along so well there's a lot of chemistry between the cast so that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out 
What are your thoughts out there on what's going on with a reunion for Community? A movie is on the way, greenlighted for Peacock, with almost all the cast confirmed. Unfortunately, there's still a couple of glaring omissions, but will they return? Who knows? But I would love to go ahead and check out a community movie as long as it has all the main characters there. We'll see what happens. But what are your thoughts on a return for community in a movie greenlighted by Peacock? Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. The Last of Us trailer that hit last week. Of course, it's got to have in these post apocalyptic world type movies. Of course, it's got to have a Johnny Cash song playing to the trailer. Your thoughts on it? Thought it was pretty good. Can't wait for the show to come out next year, even though we pretty much know how it goes. Your thoughts on the Last of Us trailer before we head on out? Yeah, it was cool. I mean, it's I'm I'm not excited about it, but it, it's cool, and I'll watch yeah. it. I I feel like the Last of Us, especially with how many times that game has come out again, I've played it twice. It is what it is. You know, it's not something I'm like dying to watch. The same thing I looked at with the Halo show. Like, cool. Yeah, I mean, I've played Halo. I've beaten Halo probably over fifty times, and Oh, it's got to be better than Halo. Come on, you cannot be as bad as the Halo series. Well, okay. I mean, let's not jump the gun here. You know, okay. let's like let's wait and see because that's what originally we're like. Halo can't be that bad with all like the misfires that Resident Evil has taken, and then lo and behold, Halo was pretty darn bad. So you know, who's to say Last of Us won't go that direction? I do love the acting though. I love what Pedro Pascal. Like he yes. was he, they really made him gritty in that trailer, and I really enjoyed that so we'll see we'll see what happens man you know i'm kind of burnt out on last of us right now so hopefully by the time the show comes out i'll be more willing to go back to that world yeah it's not coming out till next year so we do have time to go ahead and get that fire once again going for the last of us but what are your thoughts out there on pedro pascal playing joel in the last of us coming to hbo and hbo max next year please let us know your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com we didn't even get a chance to talk about the Blade issues losing its director and Armored Wars turning from a series into a movie. The Blade thing baffles me because that is something people are clamoring for and they're in danger of losing everything that people were excited about. So I don't know what the holdup is on that, but they need to do something. You know, it'd be really cool is if they recruited Guillermo del Toro and said like, hey, put everything on pause you're doing right now. We'll, we'll, we'll give you that paycheck. That'll make it worth your while. That would be great to see. But yeah, the future is uncertain for the Blade movie. Now that the director has walked off to do something else. And then Armored Wars turning from a series into a movie. There's been no date. It's not been added to the timeline yet officially for phase four, five, or six. But your thoughts on Armored Wars before we head on out? I think that that got bigger than they expected it to be. I think they're trying to keep it small and you know compact. And now... I think the story just evolved beyond the abilities of a Disney plus show. And I think, yeah, maybe that's a good move for them because you know that I, I was looking at that and I was like, how are they going to make that? Cause that, I imagine those, the Iron Man movies were like stupid expensive to make. Yes. And you're trying, you're talking about doing that on a Disney plus platform. I don't think you'd be able to do it justice. So I was actually kind of glad to hear that they were going this route. And I love Justin Hammer sam rockwell sam yeah yeah i love uh, anything that he does like i'm i'm a big fan i always liked his justin hammer character and i know he's returning so that's really cool sam rockwell the academy award winning actor that he is he's been nominated several times as well great actor just loves to return that role i think he's going to play a major part in this movie now i think like you said the scope has changed especially with the ironheart series already going ahead and becoming a series on Disney Plus. I think that the fact that this needed to evolve into a movie to hopefully provide a bigger picture for the MCU was sorely needed and I'm glad that they're doing it. But we don't even know when it's coming out. No, we don't. We you know we're we keep getting more and more Marvel announcements. So I'm I have a feeling that before the year's over we're gonna get a new like slate of films. You know, a new an updated timeline because I think that they're kind of figuring things out as they go right now what are your thoughts out there on an armored wars movie no longer series and also as well the issues with blade do you still think blade will come out i would love to see a mahershala ali's version of blade hopefully we will get a chance to see that on the big screen 
still scheduled for September of next year, but we'll see if it's taken off the schedule because of the problems it's currently having. It was actually supposed to go into production next month, so we'll see what happens here. But what are your thoughts on the changes going on in Marvel? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. And if you're ready to talk toys, I haven't stopped talking toys. Let's get to it. It's the Jay and Rob Toy Show, and we're back for season two for 10 more episodes of Toy Talking Goodness. And this time, we talk Marvel figures, we talk DC figures, holy grails, play sets, what if scenarios, and so much more. But we're not alone. We've brought a few friends with us this time. All that, and of course, our action figure spotlight. So check out the Jay and Rob Toy Show season two, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. My friend, so much to talk about on the back half of the show, including a return to E3, because E3 announced that it is coming back next June. So June 13th through 16th. What are you doing, my friend? Because E3 is returning once again to L.A. You know, I know we talked about this before, but I just I don't know how much interest I have in a return to E3. It's just it's I don't feel like the big studios are going to back it up because they've had so much success doing their own thing. Okay, for me, it all depends on who returns to it, you know, because I feel like Nintendo is the most likely to do it but other than that like microsoft and sony i don't see them returning to it. it's just not going to have the flair that it once did it feels like it's going to be just another like indie thing they are separating it between days for the press and media and days for the general public once again they're doing a little bit better this time because they did mix it all together for a couple of the last e3s and then Obviously, the pandemic hit. They had to kind of shut down. They've been slow to return, trying to map things out. And now they're going to go ahead and make the first two days available for the media and then the last two days available for the public at large. Mm-hmm. Get ready to buy your tickets. Of course, you know, E3 is trying to go ahead and profitize itself. And it's got to do what it's got to do. But like you said, it all depends on who shows up at E3. And I don't think if you get a major commitment from nintendo sony slash playstation or xbox if you don't get a commitment from all three it's truly not an e3 that i want to remember well i i even feel like the press like you know these big game publications that are normally out there i feel like they're probably even going to wait to send people until they know like who's going to be there and that's a shame because e3 you know i've been on the soapbox before my friend when it comes to e3 Mm -hmm. as far as being the major platform for the gaming scene to a broader audience. And we talk about all these other things that they do as far as these companies doing their own thing. And you're right, but none of them, not these Nintendo showcases, not these PlayStation States of Play, not the Xbox showcase, none of these get anywhere near the kind of pub on a general consumer basis as E3, when they do their press conferences from E3 in the past, none of them got as much publicity as doing it from E3. So I think it is probably, in my opinion, the wisest course of action to go ahead and return to E3. But I know that they won't. I have a feeling that, well, like you said, wait and see. But I, right now, I'm thinking negatively. I think in the fact, in this case, I think that Sony and Nintendo are going to be hard sells on this. And they may or may not return. If they don't, it, or at least do in a lighter fashion, I think that's to their detriment. I really think that E3 of the past, the one reason why it became E3 is the fact that when all these studios got together, they had their conferences in the what the LA Sports Arena or places around town that they had their major announcements from. I remember going to the Galen Center. I remember going to the Nokia Theater for other press conferences from all these different manufacturers and these different publishers. Just so many great times at E3. But the fact is that they got the worldwide attention that this video game industry sorely needs. Yeah, it did. I mean, you go through gaming history, like there's a lot of big moments happened here, you know, at E3. And I just, I don't know if they'll ever get back to that. In the three years that they've been out, like just the landscape of gaming and gaming announcements has changed so drastically. 
And that to me is a shame, my friend, because again, I don't think they realize the importance of E3. I think they've forgotten the importance of E3. I don't think they like sharing the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And even if they, let's put it this way, they do not like sharing the spotlight with each other. They like a smaller spotlight on them when they put these presentations out, which is to their detriment. They don't like sharing the spotlight on a larger spotlight that reaches a larger audience. They like a smaller spotlight that's just on them. Yeah, yeah, they do. And that's unfortunate. And because, you know, also you look at it like it's, I'm sure it's it's more profitable for them to do these things separately because as we discussed before like probably renting out a booth or having a section at e3 is ridiculously expensive yeah absolutely and that's something maybe e3 had to address in order for them to go ahead and make it more attractive to bring back sony or xbox but again it's a two-way street if sony and nintendo and xbox don't all come back then you've got a big chunk of part of who you are as e3 missing and then if you are Sony and Nintendo and Xbox, you don't return to E3 and you do your own thing, you're being left out of the biggest venture for the video game scene each and every year, or at least what it once was. And that, again, it's it's a thing where they feed off each other if it works well, but now they're, again, they're doing their own thing. So now they're hurt by what they're doing and the mistakes that they're making. Absolutely. And we we can say this over and over again, but COVID has really changed. And I would arguably like it has ruined a lot of things for every facet of media, you know, whether it's a conference movie release or whatever it might be, it has damaged irreversibly the way that things once were. It's so funny because I get in arguments over the years with individuals that insist that the way that they're doing it now with these separate announcements and these separate presentations are the best way to go for the gaming scene and for gamers. Yeah, maybe it is, but not for the general audience. When you're looking at the news for the general audience from USA Today, Yahoo, CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, whatever, they actually went out and made the effort to go ahead and be a part of the E3 scene and to cover what was going on there. They don't go out of their way to cover these separate PlayStation states of play. They don't go out of their way to cover the Nintendo presentations or the Xbox presentations separately because they're just the gaming thing. And that's yeah. the thing. If you want to relegate it to just gamers and send the message to just gamers, okay, keep on doing the separate thing. But if you want to send it to the largest general audience possible, then E3 needs to come back the way it was before. It's as yeah. simple as that. Yeah, it's the absolutely. bigger picture. People have to look at the bigger picture. Gamers have to look at the bigger picture and not just focus on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's you know that's something gamers you know especially in twenty twenty two. I mean, we just can't can't do. Like you look at how much hostility is on a lot of these forums. Gamers are not capable of looking outside of their own preferences. Now that's the thing. Unfortunately, for the industry, they need. Every single available eye that they can get on their products. And Mm -hmm. the best way to do that is coming together one more time for E3. But hey, that's just me. That's just me. What do we know, man? What what do we know? Dude, I've been to seven or eight E3s. And you've been into, what, three now? Mm -hmm. I'd say we know a little bit about what works and what doesn't at E3. Yeah, if only they'd ask our opinion, though, you know, that'd be great. That would be great indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on E3 returning this June, June of 2023, as we head once again, hopefully, to another great event at the L.A. Convention Center? But what are your thoughts? Will E3 return to its glory with all three major publishers, Xbox, PlayStation, and Nintendo, returning? Or will one or two? of these major industry stalwarts shun E3 to do their own thing. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Before we hit the break, my friend, Overwatch 2 is going to debut this week. A major free-to-play game now, unlike what it was before as a $60 platform game as far as a multiplayer shooter that 
initially got great success, great interest. They were starting leagues for it. Everybody was so excited for it. Jay Bartlett, my good friend, was really following it. Then all of a sudden, after a while, it just kind of dropped like a cliff off just the interest and people stopped caring about Overwatch and Blizzard was never able to recapture that glory or keep its audience in a large detail. But now that it's owned by Xbox or on its way to own, being owned by Xbox because Xbox has made the purchase, still has to get approved and all that because it's a $60 billion plus purchase is concerned, it still needs to be approved. But while it does... Overwatch 2 is debuting this week as a free-to-play game. Your thoughts on this? It's going to become microtransaction-reliant. It's going to become, hopefully, the, a little bit better, more realized. But the thing is, it needs to do what it can to keep its community long-term. Where does it need to go in order to do it right this time around? It's a hard question because, I mean, people don't like the microtransactions, you know, but, I mean... They love free-to-play. They love free to play and that's but that's how these games are supported so it's just it it is i don't know the uh the, the community doesn't like it yet they keep paying for it so yeah. it, that's that's an interesting concept to me well free to play games let me say this free to play games i don't mind microtransactions being there if they do hinder your progression that's one thing but if they make it an unfair balance if you don't buy that's another thing as well but if they just make it so it's a lot of cosmetics and things mm-hmm. of that nature that you want, okay, that's fine. I don't mind that because it's a free-to-play game. It's the games like FIFA, which came out last week, which we'll talk about here in a sec, that those kind of bother me when you have to pay $60, $70, and then pay microtransactions to get all of it out of it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Overwatch 2, like, I don't really think they have to do anything. I mean, people still go back to that game. What I think they need to work on is is fixing their relationship with the esports leagues that had Overwatch before all that stuff came out about what uh, Bobby Kotick was up to. You know, like that, they need to work on fixing relationships because that was what brought in a lot of money for Overwatch was being part of these esports leagues that have since dropped them for all that stuff. I mean, as far as the game goes, as long as they keep putting out skins, releasing new characters, like I think they're fine. But relationship wise, that's where a lot of their they're probably losing a lot of their money. Well, also the community as well. They decided to go ahead and move on to different things, whether it was Call of Duty, whether it was Fortnite, whether it was other things that were on the plate that seemingly were more interest. They just need to build a community and sustain it. And that's the hardest thing is not just building it, but sustaining a experience that people want to go back to time and time again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And with all these other free-to-play games popping up, like the market is getting significantly larger for games like this. And I guess, you know, yeah, what is it that's going to keep people coming back? I think Overwatch did a great job of, you know... Initially doing it, but yeah, they, they just didn't sustain it. Yeah, but they've, I mean, they, as far as like content goes they've done a good job of like putting out you know they put out action figures they'll put out little animes and stuff to like give backstories on these characters uh me personally like i would love to have you know little single player stories for each of these Uh they were to put those out in like dlc form to kind of make me feel more attached to the characters when i use them in a multiplayer setting like that would be more for me Okay, well, I'll tell you what. I think right now that Overwatch 2 has a lot of work ahead of itself, but making itself free-to-play was a good move because, again, it's about building the community and staying with the game and staying with the community in something that's going to be attractive. So Blizzard has its hands full to go ahead, not just create a community now, but to build it and keep it and sustain it going forward. And with the power of Microsoft behind it, I'm hoping it will do just that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. And well, you know, it's just kind of a wait and see what happens type of thing. Absolutely, indeed. But what are your thoughts out there on the return of Overwatch and Overwatch 2? Now a free-to-play game coming out this week. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. And don't forget, Josh, for the fifth time for Skull and Bones, there is a delay meaning it's another in a long line of games that have been delayed in 2022. It was an expected November release date, but now it's kicked into 2023. 
They are doing a public beta, but my gosh, for the fifth time, Skull and Bones has been delayed by Ubisoft. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. My friend, almost our way through an entire episode, but before we hand it out, FIFA 23, the final time Electronic Arts and FIFA will be together as FIFA is branching off into its own video game in the coming years and EA is going to try and do what it can to make its own soccer game to try and continue its success but the game has come out to okay reviews as seemingly they're just underwhelming again as far as the fact that you have to pay $70 for a game and then to really go into the career mode of course pay microtransactions on top of it which is extremely frustrating with these sports games like nba 2k and now fifa 23 that you continue and madden for that matter as well that you have to continually buy these microtransactions to get the full complexion of these sports games but your thoughts on fifa 23 this is going to be the end it's going to be the official breakup of ea and fifa which has been a long-running partnership and has become the biggest of all the sports games that are out there. I mean, it's something I told the story to you many times when I was running the game stores where I had more FIFA pre-orders than everybody because I saw it. I saw that 2007, 2008 area. I saw the change from where Madden was going to where FIFA was going and the audience that was going to support it. So your thoughts on EA and FIFA FIFA has found a gold mine with the FIFA gaming series, and I think the best is yet to come as soon as they start creating their own games. Yeah, I, I want to know who's going to be developing this new game for them. Good for them taking control of their own property. We've never seen anybody do that. Like, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if this ends up being wildly successful for them. And like NFL, right? They stop renewing their contracts with the Madden brand and EA. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get to a point where we start seeing these big sports cut, these big sports leagues making their own games. Yeah. You know, like that's what a way to make revenue. Like FIFA has sold a ridiculous amount of copies. So I don't know. I mean, it'd be cool if we can one day get to that point because I feel like EA just, yeah, they do. They, they milk every last cent that you have. They want everything you own, you know? And like, I, would hope that these sports companies would, if, if they're going to give you microtransactions, make it worth your time. It is clear that they are finishing their relationship with EA. I think that's for the best for them because EA and FIFA have not made super great games in the FIFA series for quite some time. We talked about for many years, Konami's PES that was really a much better game. The, the Konami series of, of football games, a.k.a. slash soccer games for here in America, they had actually done a better job each and every year as far as making a better game, even though they didn't have as many licenses, of course, as the FIFA games, which ultimately was the reason why they kept destroying them in sales as far as FIFA coming out on top each and every year. I think that the this is a chance to go ahead and make a better all-around game i think ea is ea gets into a thing where they just go ahead and do the same thing over and over and don't make truly many innovations that will really get fans excited because they know that the fans have to actually come to one place to get their fix like they do with madden in the nfl madden doesn't have to really reinvigorate itself really that all that much each and every year because they know that you have to go to them so it's really interesting that that the fact that they are branching out and doing their own games. So hopefully this will create a better football game for them 
with the next FIFA, wherever it is. And for EA, it, I think it's a lesson learned. I think it's a lesson that they have to just better themselves as a video game company. Otherwise, they're going to lose even more licenses. They've lost the PGA license, I believe. They've also lost other licenses as well. So I think that they have to go ahead and research who they are and why they aren't doing as well as they once were in the sports world. Well, I mean, look at EA has been consistently demonized over the years and they have they have done exactly what everybody's accusing them of by filling everything they make with microtransactions. And, you know, their former CEO even came out and said, like, they're stupid. Anyone who doesn't do microtransactions is stupid. So we kind of we get a, a feel for where their mindset is at. And I'm not saying that microtransactions are all bad. Like, I get that a lot of these games, you know, the, the cost of making the game is justified through the purchases that are made afterwards. But if your whole aim is to profit off of people who have already paid 60 70 dollars for a game then yeah it does kind of come off the wrong way would would you disagree with that i wouldn't disagree with that but again i just think that ea was very full of itself when earlier mm-hmm. last oh, decade when it you know 2011 2012 2013 when it was the only game in town outside of what nba was doing with 2k they never really were able to make a effective nba game that could with 2k so they failed there but oh no no problem we've got tiger woods we've got fifa and we've got madden a one two three punch which unfortunately two parts of it are now no longer there yeah they don't even do i remember they used to own fight night too they had all the yep. rights to the and they used to have the game. baseball license they used to have the ncaa yeah. football license yeah they've they've since lost it i mean mlb the show is a great game it's manufactured by or it's made by sony so i mean yeah. The landscape has definitely changed, but I, I personally miss the days back when there were options. You know, you had not just 2K and EA, but there were other companies that made games like NBA Inside Drive or NFL Fever or, you know, there's NFL Street. There's just there are options. You know, you had Blitz. There are a lot of different places to go to to get these games. And now they are monopolized by EA and EA doesn't do anything worth picking up a new copy every year. It's just the same thing year after year after year there's no innovation happening anymore exactly my point which i want to get to before we go ahead and head on out my friend and that is the fifa game on the nintendo switch if you go to the website that supports the ea part of the nintendo switch fifa games it will tell you that this year it uses the same engine and no major upgrades have been made for it outside of roster changes than what happened last year Oh, and if you checked out for the one last year, it'll tell you that the same exact thing for the previous year. Oh, and if you go ahead and look at the next website for EA FIFA 21, it'll say the same thing as EA FIFA 20. Oh, and don't forget that it will also tell you if you check out the website that it was no improvements since EA FIFA 19 was introduced on the Nintendo Switch, which was the first football slash soccer game to come out on the Nintendo Switch. It's never really done anything since the company to improve each and every year. And you've released four or five. No, you've released five different FIFAs, I believe, on that platform with no major changes. I think that speaks volumes right there. And that's the most popular platform right now in the world. You hit the nail on the head. You got a great point there. And, uh, (laughs) Will, I don't, yeah, it's something I don't understand you know i i know a lot of people madden for example is is a perfect perfect candidate for these new let's just create a platform let's do a halo infinite assassin's creed just a platform where you can go for the future of every new game that comes out ubisoft's doing with just dance right you have it and every year you buy the it still comes out on the wii it still comes out on the Wii, but every year you can go now and you can buy that you just up upgrade the game you already have. You know, you can go Madden, hey, buy the 2023 patch. You know, you don't have to pay $60, $70 for it. Here's a $30, $40 patch. It'll upgrade everything for you. You know, like there's no need to go make people pay $60, $70 for this. I know that within six months, those games will be like 20 bucks, but it's still. It just feels like all they care about is money. 
how many years in a row, especially for the Nintendo Switch version, do you want to continually get a two from IGN for you from in regards to the Nintendo Switch version for FIFA? They continually get extremely poor reviews, and that's the most popular platform right now in video gaming is the Nintendo Switch. Just tells me why FIFA is making the right move by leaving EA because EA just simply doesn't care. They do not care. Absolutely. I I 100% agree with you. They just want money. And people can't argue with that because they have done an amazing job of showing that, hey, all we really want from you is your money. But for FIFA, it's going to be much more enjoyable, hopefully, with future seasons of a FIFA game that's not going to have the EA branding on it. So what are your thoughts out there on EA and FIFA? If their last FIFA game, which came out last week, FIFA 23, and the last time that they will be together one by one. So it'll be interesting to see what EA brings out as a soccer game slash football game and what FIFA does to bring out a game under its own banner sometime soon. Please share your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. My friend, a major death in the gaming world, which unfortunately wasn't as major as we once hoped when they first introduced it, was Google Stadia is going to be officially RIP as of mid-January in next year. It's going to be officially shut down. All the games that you own for Stadia will hopefully be transferred over to a PC platform. They're talking about with Ubisoft and other manufacturers, and hopefully we'll be able to go ahead and do that. But your thoughts on the death of Stadia, it was something that had such high hopes. It seemed a little bit ahead of its time. You're being able to go ahead and just hook it up to your television and just be able to play off your television with really nothing needed outside of a controller and Chromecast. What are your thoughts on this? Because Google Stadia, unfortunately, had such high hopes. They had studios in place, but a year or two later, they finally cut them all out and unfortunately just became a afterthought since. Did we not call this like five years ago? Yeah, we actually did. <laughs> did, did we not say, oh, this is a bad idea and it's not going to end well for them? I just thought the fact and... that they weren't going to get enough support and and it put their stuff on in-house. I just thought the pricing was bad. Uh, yeah, we, we, if you go check out our episode back then on the birth of Stadia, we just we told you it was a bad idea. This is like in video games, like when you you like attack a character and they, but they don't die, they just like crawl away slowly. Like that's that's Stadia for me. Like they have you you kept hearing like, hey, we're shutting down servers, but they kind of lingered for a while. They just kind of didn't go anywhere. And now they are finally coming to an end. And good, I'm happy that they are refunding a lot of people for stuff. Yeah. This is like such a, this was such a monumentally bad thing for them. Like, I don't know. And I hope that this is a good example for anybody trying to get into the gaming business that doesn't belong there. Like Netflix is going to, I think is going to be doing the same exact thing. I do, however, think that the big issue with Stadia was like a lot of the things they promised just didn't work. You know, they didn't have the infrastructure required to do something like this. I think that Microsoft will be able to do it when the Xbox with the Xbox app on the TV that they're working on. I think that that will work just fine because we've seen that through their their cloud process. But Stadia just didn't have the infrastructure or the experience required to do something like that. Stadia is a good example, though, of what not to do for for sure. And I, I was reading somewhere that they actually turned down a Death Stranding sequel. That was going to be exclusive to Stadia. That's interesting. That's also a mistake. And part of the reason why they're going to die a horrible death come January 18th. What are your thoughts out there on the death of Stadia? Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. My friend, another great episode. A ton of news in the books. I'll be hopefully talking to Don Fobbs for our October TV report. A ton of broadcast stuff has debuted for premieres and broadcast television is, is once again all over the place with some brand new shows and some returning shows and all that good stuff. So we talk about that hopefully coming up later this week on the PC Multiverse. But any last thoughts before we head on out? I do want to discuss like some of the new things that Hasbro announced. Maybe next week and we can jump on that. But, you know, at least when things come out, we'll have time to talk about them. So much news. And if you want to follow all the news as it happens in the world of pop culture, and no better place to go than right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh Peterson, 
This is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the pop culture cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.